Hello, and welcome to another episode of You Know the One Where. I think we can all say it now on one, two, three. Ronald Weasley, where have you been? I broke a promise to you, so I guess that means that we are true friends. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I have slacked on this shit, and I apologize, but there's a ton of excuses, and I ain't gonna give you them, because excuses are shit. I have Stephanie on my case, I mean, <clears throat> in my corner, <laughs> just kidding, trying to keep me motivated so we can keep up with this, because that is what I want to do. I want to bring you content on a regular basis, so I'm working towards it, and I hope that this will continue to be a regular basis. Anyways, I hope you're excited for this week's episode, because we are back, and uh, yeah, uh, welcome. Thank you. Uh... You ready to get fucked up? I'm always ready to be fucked up. Yay! This week, we will be talking about the disappearance of Angela Hammond. Oh, Angela, where did you get to? We're going to find out. <laughs> it's a sad, sad situation. It's 1990, and we're in Missouri. And Angela Hammond, she was 19 years old, and she met 18-year-old Rob Schaefer. He was a high school athlete, and they fell in love really quickly. They started dating, and about a year after, Angela found out she was pregnant. She told Rob, and he was actually really excited. They both were. They decided that they should get married, so Rob proposed. Proposed? Rob (laughs) proposed, and Angela said yes. They eventually moved in together, and they lived in a small town called Clinton, Missouri. And it was a pretty small town with a population of only about 9,000 people for a relatively, like, rural area. So Rob had dreams of joining the military. He wanted to enlist, so he was planning on doing that. While Angela worked the night shift at a bank, and she was taking college courses. I couldn't find out what she was studying. Maybe she hadn't, like, decided. She just was taking standard classes to try and figure out what she wanted to do. Yeah, like all the prerequisites, like, as you do. Yeah, yeah. But she was really happy. Rob was happy. And their families were really happy that they were going to, you know, get married and have a kid. So on Thursday, April 4th, 1991, Angela and Rob go to a family barbecue. It said that they had a great time. They were with family and friends. They had to leave at 9 so that Rob could get to his mother's house by 10 p.m. because he had to babysit his younger brother. Angela, she was four months pregnant at the time, she took Rob and dropped Rob off at his mom's house so that he could babysit. And the mom was only going to be gone for a couple of hours. So Rob was like, let's meet back up. We're going to go to Uptown. So Angela decided to go with her friend Kayla and drive around town to kill some time, which was a popular thing at the time, going cruising. And so that's what they did. Around 11.15, Kayla ended up leaving and going home. So Angela was by herself in her car and she decided that she wanted to call Rob and let him know that she was tired and that she didn't want to meet up with him. She wanted to go home and he would, like, they lived together. So, so she calls him and she has to use a payphone near this grocery store because they don't have a, a landline at their place. Oh, yeah, it's before cell phones, too. Yep. So she calls Rob at Rob's mom's house, and she's like, Hey, I'm really tired. I don't want to go out tonight. Just come home when you're done. I'm going to go home. I'm going to take a bath and relax. And they start chatting, and he's like, Okay, I go home. But they talk for about 30 more minutes, and they're chatting when all of a sudden Angela kind of starts to get creeped out. She says that there's this man circling the block near the payphone. (gasps) I hate it. Yeah. 
And he's in this green truck and she sees the truck going around and around and she's kind of confused because it is a small town and, you know, you recognize people's car and recognize people and she hadn't seen this car person before. But then she was also like, why is he circling the block so many times? So her flags were kind of going up, but at this point she was just kind of like, this is just weird. But still, like, I get that when you're in one of those moments and it's just like, this is highly suspicious, but I don't want to, I, I don't want to make out more than what it actually is, but this is highly suspicious. Yeah, and at the time, this is almost 11.30 p.m. I mean, it's pretty late at night and they're in a small town where, like, nothing bad happens. So when this happened, people are, like, absolutely shocked. So I think that they felt safe. I mean, it was a small town, 90s, you know, they didn't see any harm in her using the phone that late. Right. And so she... As there shouldn't be any harm in using the phone that late. Exactly. So she tells Rob about the guy. She says that he's driving a car, an an old Ford F-150 pickup truck that was green in color. So she continues to talk to Rob when all of a sudden the guy kind of pulls up in the parking lot behind her. But he gets out of the car and he walks up to the payphone next to her payphone, which is empty. He picks up the phone like he's going to call someone, but he ends up putting, hanging the phone back up and walking back to his car. So she tells Rob about this, and then she describes him as a dirty white man with a mustache and beard. He was wearing overalls, a dark-colored baseball hat, and glasses. So she's kind of skeeved out at this point, but she's talking to Rob, and Rob was like, well, maybe the phone didn't work, and so, like, does he need to use the phone? So she asks the man, she says, hey, do you need to use the phone? Is that one broken? And he said, oh, no, I'll try in a minute. So he goes back to his truck, and he pulls out a flashlight. And he's taking a flashlight, and he's, like, scanning it across the ground. Like, he's, like, looking for something he dropped. Like, he's looking for his keys or something. And she's just like, what is going on? She's so confused, but she's still talking to Rob, and she's explaining all of this. And then, all of a sudden, Rob hears her scream. (gasps) Like a horrifying, blood-curdling scream. And instantly he knows something's up and this guy did something. Well, yeah. (laughs) He immediately gets into his car. Like, he doesn't even for a second try to see if she's still there. Like, he knows something terrible has happened. So he immediately gets into his car. And where he was was seven blocks away from where she called from the payphone. Mm. So he starts booking it in his car, speeding towards her. And as he's driving towards her, he spots the truck that she had described driving in the opposite direction. And then he looks as they're passing and he sees that Angela fighting this guy and he hears her yell his name, Robbie, and like asking for help. And so his name. Okay, so wait, wait, sorry, his name, not the kidnapper's exactly. name. Exactly. Yes. I was like, how did she know his name? No, no, no. <laughs> what, she... what happened? Did he introduce himself as he grabbed her? No, nope, that's the name of her no, husband. <laughs> sorry. It's so hard with all the he's, but yes. And he's like, holy shit. So he pulls the car in reverse and then puts the car in drive and does a huge U-turn and follows this car. And he's on this car's tail for about two miles when his transmission blows. What? Oh, because it was maybe just driving that fast. And with the shifting and not fully coming to a stop with the shifting. And Mm -hmm. so I'm guessing that. But yeah, his car stalls in the middle of the road and he watches the truck keep going. So again, there's no cell phones. There's no way for him to contact the police. So he basically has to start like running into town to get to the police station to ask for help. Luckily, there's a guy driving down the road who picks him up and takes him to the police station. So he gets to the police station about midnight which is about 15 minutes after Angela had described the creepy man. And so he tells them this whole story about how he saw her and what what had happened. And the police kind of start to look into it. 
Rob tells the police the description of the man that Angela had given him on the phone with also some information that he had gotten when he saw the truck. So he describes the truck, but he says that it's a late 1960s to early 1970s green two-toned Ford F-150 with a white top with front left side fender damage and a decal on the back window that showed a fish jumping out of water. So you know those... Okay, that's, that's a lot of detail. Yeah, and you know those decals that they put on the back of F, like trucks so you can't really see in them, you can only see the decal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they make a composite sketch of the driver and then they also put a similar picture of the car with that similar back display and then the two-toned green F Ford 150 from that time period. Mm. They also now are kind of suspecting Rob because this kind of course, of, Yeah, and this seems like completely how likely is this to happen? And that's a lot of detail for someone. And, you know, statistically, it's more likely to be the husband. And that's always who you have to look out for. Uh-huh. And that, that's a lot of detail. And that's quite the chase. Yeah. And it's that, ev- that's straight out of a movie. Exactly. Yeah. Also, she was pregnant and there was a, a lot going on. So, yeah. But he obviously was like, there's no way I'll tell you anything. Like, I have nothing to do with this. So they start to investigate. They first go and they find Rob's car. His car is, in fact, stalled in the middle of the road. It's completely undrivable the transmission is shot so that lines up with what he said all right then they go to the phone booth where they find angela's car with her purse inside so obviously she didn't like she was there and didn't leave willingly and Mm. kayla had seen her obviously just a little bit before she called rob because they had been driving around so they kind of knew her timeline so it didn't make sense it was still possible but it didn't make sense that rob had anything to do with this Please contact Angela's mom and tell her that Angela has potentially been kidnapped. She's missing to kind of alert her as well as Angela's dad. Her parents weren't together. So Angela's mom calls Angela's dad and then some other family members and they all come to the area and kind of try to find Angela. And when asked, Angela's mom was like, Rob didn't do this. I know that Rob is going to be the first suspect because he is the fiance, but he didn't do this. And I know, I believe everything that he says. I believe the events of what happened last night. Um, They can look into him, but I don't believe that he had anything to do with it. So none of her family or friends like ever thought that he had anything to do with it. So the police ended up giving Rob two polygraphs, which he passed both of them. And two witnesses came forward and said, described the same green truck that they had seen driving around that night that Angela was kidnapped. Okay, so, so so far things line up. Yeah. And so with all of this information and the evidence that they found, now obviously it's an open investigation, so like they weren't able to tell what evidence they found, but they said that they were for sure able to rule Rob out as a suspect. They asked her friends and family if they knew anyone who would want to hurt Angela. And they only can think of her ex-boyfriend, Bill. Now, at the time, there were rumors going around town that Angela's baby was actually Bill's child and not Rob's child. Now, this Mm -hmm. is completely unfounded, and there's no evidence of this. So I want to make that very clear that this is, like, town gossip, and I don't think that this is the fact. And I feel like that's kind of typical sexist small-town bullshit of just, especially when somebody's so young... Because she was young, right? Gets mm-hmm. pregnant. Mm-hmm. And then it's going to be, oh, it was actually the explosion. She must have been cheating. Blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just instead of giving her the benefit of the doubt or just letting her freaking live her life, whether it were true or not. Yeah. And trying to find a reason to blame her almost, you know? 
Yeah, just make it worse than it already is, or yeah. just you know, people are bored, especially exactly. in, even in uh, not in small towns. Even when people are busy as hell, they are just bored, mm-hmm. and they just need to make shit up. <laughs> exactly. So I don't think this is true, and he, Bill said this wasn't true. Angela's family, Rob, said that this wasn't true, but the police were also able to rule him out. Now they didn't say how they were able to rule him out, but they ruled him out. Now they had no persons of interest in Angela's inner circle, so they're pretty sure that this was a stranger kidnapping, which, as we know, makes it 10 times harder to solve. Yep. So they start putting out missing persons flyers. It's a very small town, so everyone is like, holy shit, this can't happen here. We need to help her. So over 250 people showed up and searched for Angela. They started with an aerial search and a ground search. They looked through ditches, wells, water areas, barns, abandoned buildings, isolated areas, fields, like basically all over where a body could be hidden or where she could be. But they weren't able to find anything, no evidence, no Angela, nothing. Neighboring police departments actually offered their help. So they looked through their databases for all registered pickup trucks in the area that matched the description of the pickup truck that they saw taking Angela. They looked at over 1,600 trucks, but none of them led to Angela or any potential suspects. Wow. I know. So they're doing they're doing as much as they can, but they can't seem to track this guy down. Later, Angela's mom said that Rob is completely torn up by this, and he's so mad that his car broke down and that he wasn't able to help her. He had always told Angela that he would be there for her and would protect her, but he was unable to do that when she needed him most. Now, obviously, nobody believes that this is his fault, and nobody, you know, he did as much as he could, but he's really torn up about this. Right. I mean, how could you not, even though it's not your fault, you kind of blame yourself. Yeah, the what ifs. I mean... If you play the yeah. what if game, it could lead you anywhere. Like, what if he had gotten up with this guy and what if he had been killed? Or what if... You never know. Yeah. What if he had just gone home with her and didn't stay at the place? Exactly. Or what if, you know... Yeah. I mean, if she had gone to Kayla's house. I mean, there's literally a thousand things. He says that he wakes up at night and thinks about where she is, if she's alive, and if anyone is still looking for her. But as of right now, there isn't much information on this, but shortly after the leads kind of dried up in Angela's disappearance, police believed that they actually could link her kidnapping to two other unsolved kidnappings in the area. ruh Yeah. About three months before Angela was taken, on January 19th, 1991, another woman was taken. Her name was Trudy Darby, and she was a 42-year-old woman. She worked at a convenience store, and she was closing up for the night. She was alone and closing the store, so she saw this man loitering outside the store, and she was completely uncomfortable. So she called her son to come to the convenience store and help her close up so that she could be with him because she was kind of nervous about what was going on. Mm -hmm. So he gets in the car, drives about the 10 minutes to get there, and Trudy's gone. The place is deserted. And he freaks out and he calls the police and tells them about this suspicious man and his mom and how it, she was literally gone 10 minutes. So they start looking for her up and down, but they aren't able to find her that night. Two days Ugh. yeah, two days after her disappearance, her body was found 10 miles away on the bank of a river. She had, yeah. She had been shot twice in the head, robbed, and raped. Oh, man. Yeah. Crap. Yes. And a month after that... Another woman was kidnapped, so a month after Trudy was kidnapped, but two months before Angela was kidnapped, a 30-year-old woman named Cheryl Ann Kenny was working at a convenience store on February 28, 1991, when she disappeared. She was not working alone. She was working with a janitor, and there was a male customer in the store at the time that 
she was closing up. So the store usually opens, stays open until midnight, but that night it was especially slow, so they decided to close early for the night. So she told the man in the store, hey, we're about to close up, like, get what you need, and then, um, you can leave and then we're going to close for the evening. So she told the janitor he could leave when he was done cleaning up. So he left a couple minutes before her. She closed up, counted the till, and she clocked out about 10 p.m., set the store alarm at 10.17 p.m. She has not been seen since. Her car was still in the parking lot of the convenience store, abandoned. So the janitor was questioned and he said that, yeah, there was that customer in the store when he left and that it was a male, but he didn't have a car because there was no cars in the parking lot. But he didn't think that was weird because it was like a central location, like near hotels and stuff. So People could could hypothetically walk there and, yes. be, and be totally normal. Yes. And nothing has come from the description, so I'm not sure... So they're basically unsure if this guy had anything to do with the disappearance. So people thought, like, obviously, maybe she left on her own accord, but that was shortly determined to be untrue because she only had $6 on her that night. Can't really get very far with $6 and no car. And leaving your car there. Exactly. And she had kids. She had two kids, a husband, and her dad was really sick. And so they're like, no, there's just no way. But... Nothing has been found of her. There is no evidence of, like, foul play. It's She just disappeared. And she's still missing. This led authorities to believe that maybe there was a serial killer in Missouri that was kidnapping these women and potentially killing them. But people think that maybe these two cases are related to each other because they are eerily similar. And so I can see why those two cases are linked. But that case being linked to Angela's is a little bit different. You know, it's a little bit different of an MO, but it's possible. Well, no, women in a spot alone late at night. I mean, they don't know how the other women were taken. So they don't know if it's the same MO and oh, unless they never find. I don't know. They they, they are similar. Exactly. And that's sure. what people are saying. There's similarities. And then there's like a lot of information online of people on different sides of the fence and, like, why they believe one way or another. But mainly, they believe that Trudy and Cheryl's case isn't linked to Angela's because Trudy's case was actually solved. So, oh. yes. So, two years after the body had been found, so two years after all of the three girls were kidnapped, two brothers, Jesse Rush and Marvin Cheney, confessed to the robbery, rape, and murder of Trudy Darby. Jesse had been bragging to his friends that he was responsible for killing Trudy, and the friends contacted the police, and he was arrested, and he confessed to the crime. Why would you brag about something like that? Do you really think that people are going to think you're cool because you brag? They're either not going to believe you or do what these friends do did, mm-hmm. as they should, mm-hmm. which is contact the police. I mean... Mm-hmm. Not the same thing at all, but when I was working the hotline mm-hmm. for insurance crime, mm-hmm. oh, so many, so many people were saying, "I'm just sick of hearing them brag about it on Facebook," or they, they, they confessed to it on Facebook, or they, they were telling everybody how they committed this fraud. And I'm like, number one rule: when you commit a crime, don't effing talk about it at all. <laughs> it's the whole two can, see- two can keep a secret if one of them is dead. Only you <laughs> can keep a secret, and obviously, you suck at it. Yeah, obviously, obviously they can't. I mean, I have trouble keeping my secret Santa information secret, so I would be terrible. (laughs) Anyways, so yeah, so they were arrested and later confessed. Jesse said that he, Marvin, and another man, an accomplice, which I don't think has ever been named, had planned the kidnapping in advance and had entered the store with a gun. They knew that she was going to be alone and it was going to be late. They went into the store with a gun, held her up, and they stole $220 from the convenience store and then forced Trudy into their car. That's what this poor woman's life was worth? 
Well, I think that the money wasn't the main objective. I think that was a... Right. Yeah, it's just bullshit. So she was fighting them. I think he, they, like, picked her up by her hair and dragged her into the <gasps> trunk. Like, just poor shit. <sighs> so they drove her to a nearby barn and sexually and physically assaulted her repeatedly. They shot her once in the head at the barn, put her in the trunk, and then took her to the side of the river. But when they opened up the trunk, they saw that Trudy was still breathing, so they shot her again. Oh, wow. Yes. It's amazing what people can, not that she survived this in, in all, but like the fact that she was still alive mm-hmm. for even a little bit after getting shot in the head. I know. It's crazy. I just wish that this all wouldn't have happened. It's just so fucked up. Right. Luckily, a shell casing was found in the trunk of the car, which kind of sealed their fate. There was enough evidence to arrest them and convict them. While waiting in jail, our genius, Jesse Rush, the main guy in this whole fucked up situation, decides that he's going to confide in one of his fellow inmates. And that inmate is a prison attorney. The guys in prison who are really, like, well-versed on law. And they're, like, take on other people's cases and, like, try to help them. So he thought that by talking to this other inmate, he could convince him to help him and get him out of this mess. And the prison attorney guy was like, I help people who are innocent. (laughs) Like, yeah, (laughs) I I think think he has some morals. I don't know. But so... This guy, Jesse, writes letters, like not even says things to him, writes letters to him. So it's in documentation. Yes. And he says the most fucked up, like, oh my God. But luckily he signs his life sentence paperwork because he says like all this shit he did, he keeps calling her a bitch and bitches and just expletives. And he's talking about how he wants to do this to more bitches and that he's done it to a bunch of bitches and blah, blah, blah. And yeah. And he implicates him and his brother Marvin on multiple other cases. Now he doesn't give specifics. So we aren't entirely sure if maybe, you know, Cheryl was one of his victims, but they know that this most likely wasn't their own only raping and killing. Yeah. So I'll just give you a little excerpt. A little smattering of this douchewad's crimes. Yeah. And when I read this, I wanted to punch a wall and then drive to Missouri, go and find Mr. Jesse Rush and freaking strangle life out of him. Love it. I'll help you. Okay. He said, them other bitches in my last letter to you were both like that bitch in Max Creek, referring to Trudy. We all tortured the bitches, then fucked the dog shit out of them. Oh, I wish there could be more vocalization, but my mouth is just dropped Mm -hmm. open. Like, he was 15 years old at the time that Trudy was killed. So at this point- He was? Mm-hmm. Whoa, wait, what? Mm Mm-hmm. I miss that. I didn't say it before because it's just so outlandish. And also because I didn't know the age of his brother. (laughs) But- yeah, he was 15 years old. He was a juvenile at the time that he committed this crime. Holy crap. How, well, I mean, now I understand why he's stupid, but how could you be? Ugh, you're a kid and be that evil. Yeah. Who brought you up to be that way? Like, who influenced, obviously, his brother mm-hmm. influenced the crap out of him. Oh my but that's God. just, and like him bragging about it, that's just cold. Like, I, who, who even taught him to talk like that? Oh, it's just so disturbing. Like, what if that was... He doesn't see her as a person. Yeah. What if that was your mom or your sister or your daughter? Like, I would want to beat the living shit out of him. I mean, screw all that stuff. Just, she's a human. (laughs) I I don't know. Yeah. And this is why, like, I struggle with the death penalty. Obviously, I'm not an advocate for it and I don't believe in it. But 
I feel like if that were my sister or if that were my friend or my mom, I would want the death penalty. I would want the worst. And so for me, it's like I want the families to be able to choose, even though that's not a possible outcome. I completely agree. It's but for me, the way I rationalize it is that do I believe the reason I believe that there should not be a death penalty is because, yes, if somebody hurt somebody that I love in that way and that viciously, of course I want them put to death. But I am emotionally compromised. Mm-hmm. I am not um, unbiased in mm-hmm. this. And so justice is supposed to be unbiased and it's it's just supposed to be justice, you know, mm-hmm. it. it so I don't I, – I can't make that decision. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But I understand when people are like, I want him to fucking die and rot in hell. And I totally get that. I obviously have not been in that scenario, but I can only imagine. And I apologize for coughing just now. <laughs> well, how dare you? I'm sorry. I could have turned away, but then I thought of it two seconds after I did it. <laughs> what? You're not used to talking into a microphone? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the thing. I am. I'm in a microphone 24 hours a day. No. <laughs> I'm in a microphone. Are we all? Everybody's listening in always. Alexa? Oh, God, no. <laughs> she heard me. You said that so creepily, too. <laughs> the Hurt was an American garage rock band formed in Longview, Texas in 1965. Alexa? Stop. <laughs> How many times a day have I watched Schitt's Creek when they talk about Alexis? Shh. And Alexa comes on, and I want, I'm like, bitch, mind your own goddamn business. <laughs> you little busybody. It scares the shit out of me every time. That's funny. All right. So let's wrap this Back up. Back to the horribleness. Yeah. So Jesse and Marvin were both sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. Marvin died a couple years back, I think in 2017, of natural causes in prison. Jesse is still there. Jesse was the 15 year old one, or the? <sighs> Jesse was the 15 year old one. He was 17 at the time he got arrested. Yeah. So the police were able to rule out Jesse and Marvin in the kidnapping of Angela because it just didn't match up. It didn't make sense. The whole three guys taking one girl and then one guy taking one girl and the weird beard and the weird truck and they couldn't match the truck. And so there was like no way. It seemed very unlikely that Jesse and Marvin could be at all involved in Angela's case. But they weren't able to rule them out for Cheryl's case. But since we haven't been able to find Cheryl, it makes it a little bit harder to prosecute and figure out what actually happened. Right. So after this, there were some strange tips that came in over the year about Angela. One of them being a person in Canada stated that they actually saw a woman who looked just like Angela get out of a two-toned green pickup truck with a fish mural on the back going into a drugstore. Police followed this lead thinking that, well, if this were true... Angela had a baby. She would have had a baby at this point because she was four months pregnant. So they looked at like Canadian hospitals. Like they went through all these records in Canada. They talked to hospitals. They talked to like everybody. They talked to the drugstore people, gave photos, and it just didn't add up. They also mentioned that there was a serial killer in the area of rural Missouri at the time of the girl's disappearance. Rot-row. Yes. His name is Kenneth McDuff. McDuff. Piece of fucking shite. (laughs) So I was going to go into his crimes, but uh, holy shit. It's a little too much. Oh my God. And like, we would be here for 85 years if I went into every single one of his freaking crimes. So I'm going to do a different podcast on him because I definitely think it should be something that's covered. And I think we can talk about why he is linked to this case. It's a miscarriage of justice entirely. I'm just, yeah. 
you're going to have to buckle up for that one. So I'll cover that one because it's I've never heard Ooh. of it and it's crazy. A little teaser. Yes. So basically... He was a serial killer at the time in the area. He would kidnap, rape, and torture his victims. They were usually women who were alone. At the time, sex workers, some being teenagers, he was just a piece of shit. Now, it's just suspicion. They weren't able to officially align the case to Angela, but it matches the MO pretty well, and it would make sense. Of the people who were found to be killed by Kenneth, their bodies were actually really hard to find, and they weren't found until like seven or eight years after they... Oh, wow. Yeah. It's possible that these women could still be out there, you know, alive or dead, but they just may not have been found yet. Nothing new has come from this case until April of 2009. So in April of 2009, police said that they actually had new evidence, which had come from the advancements of DNA technology over the years, and they had some sort of DNA evidence. They haven't said what it is. They haven't said anything, really. I'm hoping maybe they'll use it in genealogical DNA, like the Golden State Ooh, the trend now. Yeah. So we haven't heard anything, but I've set my Google alerts to let me know if anything comes of this. But it's just sad. So Angela and Cheryl are still missing. I'm going to give some information about them. And then let's chat about Trudy for a little bit as well. So Trudy Darby was a mother and a wife. And she was buried in a dual grave with one for her and one for her husband. Her husband was still living, but she was in one plot and he had his other plot. And it was kind of a cute little like marriage gravestone. And her epitaph said, be sure you are born again. Angela Hammond, our woman who was kidnapped at the phone booth. She was born on February 9th, 1971. She is 4'11 to 5 feet tall, so she's tiny. Yeah. She is 120 to 140 pounds, Caucasian. She has brown hair and blue eyes. A $16,000 reward is offered for any information in this case that leads to a lead. She went by Angie. She is outgoing and very friendly. There was never a dull moment when she is around. She is very intelligent, positive, and energetic. Her family has been devastated by this whole ordeal and have been going through a lot of terribleness since in the past, like, 27 years over all of this. But they say that they are honoring her by being positive and shedding light in the darkest of places because that is what Angela did. Aww. Cheryl Ann Kinney, she is a wife and a mother of two. She is still missing. She was born on July 8th, 1960. She is Caucasian. She has light brown hair with blonde tips. She has green eyes. She's about 5'7 and weighs about 117 pounds. I will put pictures of these women online. So if anyone has any information on the disappearance of Angela Hammond, please call the Clinton Police Station at 600-885-2679. And if anyone has any information about the disappearance of Cheryl N. Kenny, please call the Nevada, Missouri Police Department at 417-448-2710. And we will have all that information in the description as well as links to all of our sources where we found all this information and their missing pages and where you can find more information on that. I can't imagine not knowing where a loved one is and going years and years, like over 20 years, just never knowing what happened to them. I think it would break me. Yeah. I don't think I'd be strong enough to get through it. I watch a lot of those, the shows disappeared and, you know, without a trace and like these people who just vanish and it's just... yeah. 
it drives me crazy and I don't even know who they are. Uh-huh. But then I have the luxury of not knowing who they are. So then I go about my life. And every mm-hmm. time I think about it, it's like, man, I really wish I knew what happened to them. And then I go on with my life and exactly. then I forget again. Whereas if it was somebody I knew and just to feel guilty every time I thought about anything else. I think that would be my default. Yeah, actually, that was a part of this case. Angela's mom, around the time of her disappearance, I think a while after she had disappeared, she won a trip at work to Florida. And she said that she didn't want to go because she felt guilty having fun while Angela was missing. And she didn't want to relax while her daughter could be going through something terrible. And her family eventually convinced her to go. But it was hard for them to convince her to go because she didn't feel like she was oh yeah yeah I I, I can totally see that and she does deserve to go and as much as you want to do everything you can you have to live your life and you have to live it happily in in, somehow I yeah I just hope they're all getting therapy or seeing a therapist (laughs) and because there's no way you can deal with that alone Mm -mm. yeah and that's the whole thing like I said I'm setting my google alerts I do it every time I read a missing persons or watch a missing persons case I set an alert just in case anything new is about to come but I'm setting an alert smart but it's not it's something I can forget that's why I'm setting an alert yeah yeah oh wow that's wow look at you yeah So I also actually was listening to a podcast. There's this podcast that you have to listen to. I'm obsessed. Like, I support their Patreon, and I'm broke as fuck, and I support their Patreon. (laughs) That's saying something. Yeah, and I support, like, I am obsessed. I just started listening to it about, like, a week ago, and I listened to everything, and I've listened to all of their Patreon. Like, I think it's my favorite podcast of all times. (gasps) What? Besides ours, of course. (laughs) Duh. You know, even No, it's okay. We're early enough. You can like it better than ours. (laughs) (laughs) It's, like, way ahead of ours. Uh, I, like, want to emulate the main host. Anyways, her name's Ashley Flowers, and she works with her friend, Britt, which is you, (laughs) and it's called Crime Junkie. Ooh. Also a good description for us. Yes. And that's the whole thing. It's like they have this whole like get your fix. Like when you go on during their Patreon, you need to get your fix. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, yeah, I was listening. I was listening. I'm listening writing to- it down. Yes, do it. I mean, you're going to be obsessed. She has great storytelling ability. She's really concise, which I don't think I'll ever be. Um, Give yourself more credit. You're great. (laughs) I love it. Well, thank you. But anyways, yeah, so she is great. So you should listen to that. But she does a lot of missing persons cases. And she did one. I can't remember the case, I think. But the sister of the missing person sets Google alerts looking for woman found dead and the type of car her sister had, you know, tries to see if there's been any Jane Doe's found or if her car is somehow up for sale or found or and she says she gets 30 a day and she looks through those 30 every single day and nothing wow that's messed up on so many levels I know and that's why like with these cases I really like to tell them and I like to research them but I have to like step back because it's just it'll de- <sighs> it'll lead you down this deep dark hole that you might not be able to climb out of Exactly. Anyways, the only thing that's positive about missing persons cases is that there's some shred of hope. And maybe by talking about it, we can keep it in the media and keep people at least calling with tips or any information. There is a composite sketch of this guy. So I'll post that as well. And maybe someone will recognize him or something. But anyways, it's just a fucked up situation and a fucked up world we live in. So, you know, cherish every fucking day because... You never know yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah, that's so true. All right, let's do something that's not going to rip our hearts out. Love it. Here are interesting facts about everything that you never knew. Do you want to know what Barbie's full name is? Yeah. 
Barbara Millicent Roberts. No way! Yeah. Love it. Men and women are genetically more similar to monkeys than they are to each other. What? (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that funny? That's a lie. That can't be true. It's it's insane facts. I'm pretty sure they're not cited. So (laughs) I'm just going to go with it because I like to be naive. Love it. Marilyn Monroe used to stutter. However, by the age of 16, she learned how to overcome stuttering on her own. No way. Yeah. That's a fun fact to end on. That's a great fun fact to end on. I mean, we can talk about her potentially being murdered by the Kennedys, or we can just let it go. (laughs) Mm, what time is it (laughs) we can discuss that another day yeah Um, that is another episode (laughs) oh entirely i think it's been covered by a lot of people but i think it is really fascinating that is fascinating because i could totally see it and i know nothing about it (laughs) oh yeah it's a it's a very her death is like i think it's one of those things you don't want to believe like the moon landing being fake you don't want to believe it but then you're like but all the evidence makes it plausible Or if you go down the deep, dark tunnel of flat earth theories. Oh my god. You're- are you a flat earther? No, no, not at all. But like, I'm not saying I know everything about the world. You, I don't- And I think there are interesting things at work in the world that we should not just believe everything that we are told and we should question everything, especially government and people of power. (laughs) Oh, I don't want to- I already went down the rabbit hole of the fact that the Loch Ness Monster might be traveling through multiple dimensions and that's why he's only- (laughs) (laughs) And that's why he's only seen at certain times and that maybe he just go- It's- uh, and it makes sense and it's like, why does this make sense? Well, that's like when you get into like a simulation theory and do you think it's like you want I was watching a lot of conspiracy theories by Shane Dawson, basically. Ew. Those things. He does a great job. It, they freak, does such a great job. It freaks me out. I just literally am like, I don't know how to function as human. Yeah. Or the theory that like everything in the world began seven minutes ago or 15 minutes ago. I don't like that. Have you heard the theory that everyone in the world was once you? Like you, yes, yeah. I read the short story. Yeah, the short. I love it. I love it. It's my favorite thing ever. I, I totally, love it too. I, I would totally believe it, and I love it. Happy if it was true. Well, I'm happy that I was once you, and you were once me. Oh, we, <laughs> we were so lucky. <laughs> Anyways, we should wrap this up. I hope that this episode didn't ruin your evening, um, as it ruined my week. <laughs> but I'm hoping that something good can come of this and and maybe there can be some closure for the family. So if you want more information or you're interested in this, please look at the links down in the show notes and on our blog. Do all the things. Yes. Thank you so much for listening. TTYL. Doodles. Man. Oh, I hated that. <laughs> I, know, I hate myself. I'm never saying toodles again in my life. I've said TTYL way too many times, and I was saying it ironically, and now I can't stop. Oh, I would approve if you keep saying it if you only said it in Tigger's voice. <laughs> TT for now. <laughs> That's you. TT for now. That's TTYL. Okay, we're going to sign off here now. Bye.